everyone, it's Adam from Oof Report 24 with the first three really exciting previews into the Euro 2020. And uh, we say this is our first one tonight. Um, I'm with my two co-hosts, Andrew. Good evening. How are you? I'm fine, thanks, Adam. The tournament's been long awaited and we're finally getting a bit of um, an insight into some of our opponents. We certainly are, mate. We certainly are. And of course, the king of North Kiev, Ray. How you doing there, mate? Cheers, Adam. Great to be here as always. And uh, looking forward to, to tuning in to the European Championship rather than our usual stuff, you know. <laughs> oh, certainly. You can tell it's, it's European Championship time. Ray's not in green today. It's, I am. Uh, I am. It's, it's it's dark. It's a dark shade of green. Very, very dark. Very dark. <laughs> so of course we're kicking off with who else? If those of you in sort of Twitter podcast land will know very well about the other Bundesliga podcast that run by three English journalists based in Vienna, and we're joined today by Lee Wingate. Good evening, Lee. How are you? Good evening. In the uh, spirit of the Eurovision Song Contest, hello from Vienna. I'm uh, <laughs> doing very well, thanks. Thanks for the invitation. I, I need one of those Graham Norton comebacks now, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. First of all, I mean, uh, congratulations on, on, on the pod. The other Bundesliga, fantastic uh, podcast, had real good success. Just for our listeners, anyone who's sort of new to it with the, from the Ukrainian background, uh, How's, when did the podcast start? Around about three years ago, but we're, we're three mates. We've been friends for around about five years. I knew Tom, the presenter, before I even moved to Austria. And then we, uh, we picked up our third member in the pub. He was uh, very hungover at the bar wearing an Everton shirt. We invited him over and it, it sort of started from there. But um, yeah, the podcast was founded about three years ago. And yeah, now we, we just follow the domestic game, the European games as well, and, and the national team. Uh, but this is the, I think, probably the first tournament we'll have covered for the, the national team. Oh, be great fun. And of course, uh, more recently, you've launched the Sweeper podcast, which is, you know, I think everybody across Europe's really enjoying it and buying into the, the work there. You just want to, I mean, share with people what, what, what the project's about and what kind of gave you the impetus to get that started. Sure. Well, first of all, thanks very much to Andrew for appearing on the, the debut episode, which was, was heavily Ukraine focused. So anybody interested in Ukrainian football will, will surely be uh, interested in that. Uh, the idea basically came from the fact that there are so many good accounts out there um, that we've come across for various different countries, Zoria Londonsk being one of them. But we kind of wanted to, to bring them together and, and shine a spotlight on countries and football that just aren't really getting the attention they deserve and especially now I think in light of what happened with the Super League uh, a few a few weeks ago I think there's you know people are starting to become a little bit disillusioned with elite football I certainly am the, the same clubs all the time and I think it's nice to look a bit further afield and, and focus on on some other countries so that's kind of our aim and uh, anyone that, that wants to listen we're at SweeperPod on on most social media forms I think um not tiktok yet we're too old for that um <laughs> but yeah sweeper pod uh and uh on on spotify and itunes and all that as well oh fantastic now of course austria did that fantastic job co-hosting back in 2008 showing my age there remember it remember it well sadly not from an england perspective but more recently a bit like ukraine very disappointing sort of 2016 tournament 
Uh, what's the mood like though now in Austria ahead of the uh, 2020-2021 tournament? Pretty damn awful, to be honest, I think is, is the, the short answer. Um, the slightly longer answer is it's mainly due to the coach and his extremely conservative approach to almost any game Austria plays. Actually, on paper, the results have been fairly good. He has one of the, the best win percentages, or I think the best win percentage of any Austria coach ever. But the style of football, considering the, the talent at his disposal, you know, you've got Sasha Kaladzic, Christoph Baumgartner, Everyone knows David Alaba, of course. These are great players playing for top clubs and, and at their respective clubs playing a really attacking, exciting brand of football. And then they all come together with Austria and it is dour, reactive, um, really unexciting. I think you can kind of get away with that a little bit when the results are going your way, but the results have turned recently. They had their biggest ever home qualifying defeat um, against Denmark in March, 4-0. Uh, they were totally played off the park. And uh, it's got so bad that there has even been uh, talk among OFB, that's the Austrian Football Federation officials in the last few days, about whether they would axe him even before the tournament, um, which they are far too conservative to actually do. But the, uh, you know, the, the talk about it, nonetheless, I think, shows the, the kind of mood in the camp. Well, I think that's brought some sunshine into the Ukrainian life anyway. <laughs> um, I'm going to hand over to Andrew. So. Yeah, well, I mean, as following on from, I guess, the recent mood in Austria and sort of how the most recent results have gone by, how did Austria actually get to the tournament? Because obviously it was a while ago. Um, give, can you give us a refresh on sort of how they um, performed in the group and... I guess, how maybe their Nations League went as well last year. Sure, yeah. So the Nations League, they finished top of that group. It was a group with Northern Ireland, Romania and Norway. Um, and there were some, some fairly decent results in, in that, that group. And of course, you can't complain at coming top. For the Euros, they finished second in, a, in the group behind Poland, who were relatively comfortable um, winners in the end. So, uh, I mean, like I say, the results... Uh, last year were actually really good and you know I, I think the the delay to the the championships hasn't helped because they've they've really turned recently um just to look at the the world cup qualifiers that have been played already um they started off with a, a game against scotland so they were twice ahead in that game at hamden park and ended up drawing they went behind to the faroe islands um and then managed to come back just about and then the Denmark game, which was the, the most recent one. So all in all, it's really been okay result-wise in the Nations League and, the, and in the uh, Euro qualifiers as well. It's the World Cup qualifiers where things have really taken a, a turn for the worse. You've, you've caught us on the hoof here, really. We're, we're expecting a bit more upbeatness <laughs> going into the tournament. Yeah, well, I you've mean... Caught, you've really I, caught us here. <laughs> there are, you know, plenty of reasons like on paper why Austria should be upbeat because you know we often hear talk about with various countries at the moment you might use it for Belgium like a golden generation and on paper Austria do have probably their best generation of players these are mm -hmm. all players who are established in fact 21 of the 26 in the final squad play in the German Bundesliga which I think 
a kind of quirky fact, that is probably the highest proportion of any country squad playing in one single other nation. I, I can't think of another example. Um, so these are all established players playing at, at good clubs, Bayern Munich, Leipzig, Leverkusen, Frankfurt. Um, the problem is, is simply that they are, they are, we really feel, being, being held back. And so I think, I think part of the frustration from, from my point of view, and that's probably coming across in the interview, is that I feel they're capable of doing so much more. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's where a little bit of the, the pessimism comes in. And also the pessimism is slightly there as well, because you mentioned at the very top of the show, the Euro 26, uh, sorry, Euro 2016 qualifying uh, campaign. Uh, they won nine qualifiers and drew one. It was their best ever qualifying campaign, the second best qualifying campaign for that tournament behind England. And then they got to the tournament itself and um, you know, they finished bottom of a group with Iceland, Hungary and Portugal. And, you know, the Euros these days, you, need, you can finish third and still go through in the group. So I think there is a reason why the pessimism is there. But I'll, I'll be very, very happy to be proved wrong. <laughs> Fair enough, mate. Fair enough. Anyway, Ray, sorry for that. I dived in there on you. <laughs> That's right, Adam. Uh, Lee, the question I wanted to ask is, uh, are you or uh, other media or the fans happy with the selected squad? I can most easily answer this question from my personal perspective, and that's no. Um, but I think a lot of media outlets are probably more tolerant of the squad. Um, the reason is because I mentioned before about the number of Germany-based players. It seems that the coach who is German himself, Franco Foda is his name, um, he only seems to really trust players that play in the German Bundesliga. So back in March over the international break, he started to sort of, I don't know, he bowed to the criticism a little bit and started to include some younger players. There's Yusuf Demir, who's a very young player at Rapid Vienna. One of many players labelled as the next Messi, but he is really, really good. Um, then Elchan Kara also of Rapid Vienna. These are two players with Turkish heritage as well. And so Austria wanted to sort of get in first. And they, they called them up. They called up a, a few other Austria-based players, some really talented players at LASK, who you might have heard of for their, their European campaigns the last couple of years. And then as soon as it came to making the final call, I don't know whether he was perhaps a bit scarred by that defeat to Denmark, but he just excluded all of them and has gone back to his reverted to type essentially and and you know brought in all of these germany based players and they are good but i just feel that he's not really looking at home and I, i'm a, as a an austrian football journalist i'm a little bit disappointed to see that obviously there's a lot of of talent in there um but yeah it's just a shame that he only seems to trust the the german bundesliga really <laughs> i mean you, we're all kind of nodding along i think uh, from a ukrainian perspective i we can really connect with that ideology and <laughs> feeling attached to it as well. But I just, Leah, just before we carry on, I just want to touch on something you mentioned there as well. You were talking about the conservative approach. Uh, so, what does that actually mean? What what style of play can we expect from uh, Austria on the pitch? I've got to say before, and when Shevchenko isn't listening to this, you're not giving away any secrets. <laughs> To be honest, the, uh, the formation and tactics are so um, set in stone that I think Chevchenko would only have to watch a couple of games. I don't think I'm <laughs> giving away any, any top secret info here. Um, they always, I mean, always play in a 4-2-3-1 system. Mm -hmm. um, they play 
David Alaba, who is definitely their best player, but they play him a little bit further up the pitch than he than he plays for for Bayern Munich. So you might see him sort of on the on the left of that attacking midfield three. Um, but most of it is, you know, it's it just feels reactive. It doesn't feel like there is an actual identity there. Um, because if you look at some of the biggest clubs that these players play for, they are often playing like Bayern with a high line or like RB Leipzig with a, you know, a really, really high press. Um, none of that is really present in Austria's play. So it's really difficult for me to describe what the style actually is. Um, their big centre forward, who is a young player, Sasha Kaladzic, who was really come into his own at Stuttgart this season. He's a good target man. So against Scotland, both goals were Kaladzic goals, both picking him out in the box. But um, yeah, beyond that, it's very difficult um, for me to actually lay out what Austria's approach is. And, uh, you know, as such, perhaps that's the bit of cause for optimism for Ukraine. Uh, thanks for that. I'm going to hand over to Andrew. Building on from the fact that you say that you're not really sure the style of players in how Austria will adapt. And you've already mentioned that David Alaba is probably the key man in the team, or if not the key man, the best player in the squad. What are the likes of, you know, Arnautovic, um, you know, one, and uh, Baumgartlinger and I guess even Sabitzer? Uh, how influential are they in the team, despite the fact that there's no concrete way of playing? They've got the quality. I mean, first of all, I'd say Arnautovic is really on the fringes of the, the squad now. He's a little bit um, older than, than perhaps some of the other players. And he's not really, a, I would say, a first choice centre forward. Um, but nonetheless, I'm sure he'll be, you know, a player to call upon at some point. Um, the others, you know, they, they've got the quality. If you look at some of the goals that Marcel Sabitzer scores in the Champions League and the Bundesliga, he's quite often going viral, semi-viral on Twitter with some of his goals. You know, these players, Baumgartlinger, you mentioned as well, he's just come back from an injury. These are really, really good footballers. So you can certainly expect them to have an impact on the game. If you give players like David Alaba space, then they can do something. But it's more, and you see this increasingly now, if you get a really well-organized side, like for example, you wouldn't associate the Faroe Islands with having a really high-profile, high-quality national team. But to go back to the game between Austria and the Faroe Islands, they were just really defensively disciplined, kept their shape well. And if you can do that against Austria, then I think that no matter how much individual quality those players have, it's really difficult for them to break a team down. So I haven't watched much of the Ukrainian national team, I have to admit. But maybe you guys can tell me if you have a well-organized team, then that could be something that the Austria really do struggle to, to break down. Ironically, um having watched a lot of Ukraine play, it sounds slightly similar in parts. I guess at least the most recent matches where Ukraine is relatively well organised. There's no doubt about that. But when it comes to actually trying to score and convert chances, it's some, something goes awry and we're not entirely sure ourselves why it's not coming off. Um, it's all going to depend on obviously fitness and players uh, at their disposal but I'm not looking forward to actually watching this game now and listening to knowing both our knowledge of these sides it's, it's going to be a game of chess rather than a game of football <laughs> sorry I can imagine that being a being a nil-nil but you never know I feel like this game could be crucial because I think most people would assume that 
although they haven't been at the pinnacle recently, the Netherlands would probably win the group. Um, and a second or third place finish um, would hopefully be enough to take these teams through. So I think Ukraine and Austria might be quite evenly matched. And, you know, this this could be a deciding game. Is It's the final group fixture as well, isn't it? So, yeah. Yeah, on the 21st. Yeah. So hopefully there'll be, you know, quite a bit riding on that. And um, yeah, we'll have to see. I don't think this is a group to be taken lightly because as well, North Macedonia, not a big name, but you look at what they did against Germany not so long ago. Um, I'm starting to uh, yeah to, to feel a little bit nervous. I think ahead of this one, as you said there, when you play when we play super organised teams, that's when it really may go wrong. Uh, anyway, Ray, I know you're you're looking to get get a bit more insight. Sure, Adam uh, Lee, who do you expect to make a name for themselves amongst the national team squad of, of Austria? Yeah, good question. Um, there's a few names. I mean, I've mentioned. Sasha Kaladzic already and I think one of the reasons I'm so impressed by him we, we saw him come through the ranks here in Austria at Admira a very it's a club that's always battling relegation so you don't really get much of a chance to really show what you can do and he moved to Stuttgart he got his big move and then suffered a career-ending injury in August so he was out for his whole first season and um, I think he's just done so well this season to come back from that establish himself and he even broke a uh, club record at Stuttgart for most consecutive Bundesliga uh, games scored in. I think he scored in, in seven games in a row. Uh, so he's going to be very important. The other player that I'd really highlight would be uh, Christoph Baumgartner of Hoffenheim. Um, I watch him regularly and he's just, he's very skillful. He would probably play uh, either in the wide or central roles in that front three in midfield as well. And I think he's one of the players that has really benefited from the fact that this tournament has been delayed 12 months because he was he was very much on the fringes, I think, um, around about a year ago. And I think around about a year ago is when he very first got his, his call up for the first time. Um, now, it's, it's a different story. He's had a, uh, what I would describe as a breakout season for Hoffenheim. Um, so I'd say probably those two above, above all else. Now, we've got to ask you about one guy in the squad in particular whose name hasn't cropped up so far. You know, ex-Dinamo. He's a legend. Acceptable here, Ray, Andrew? No. But uh, well, ex-Dinamo player, uh, Dragovic. Uh, where is he at the moment in relation to the squad? Uh, starter, squad player, has he been getting, getting regular game time with the national team? In terms of the Austrian national team, he is pretty much a regular at, at, at the heart of defence with Hinteregger. Um, there is very little rotation in the Austria first team for competitive games. So if you look at their formations uh, for recent games, um, that's pretty much player for player what you're likely going to see at the Euros. Um, so he will likely play in, in central defence alongside, alongside Hinteregger. Well, we look for, look forward to seeing him again. It's been, it's it's been a while. It really has. Um, anyway, Andrew, I know you you're looking to take take things further here. I'll just hand over to you. Yeah. So I mean, we've already dis- discussed the fact that the tournament's been moved a year uh, a year back. Um, I've asked the likes of Shevchenko and Zinchenko in the Ukraine camp whether it's been positive or negative. Lee, you've already sort of insinuated that it's relatively negative so how far do you think Austria can go this year and would they have been able do you think probably gone 
better maybe had the tournament been last year one of those paradoxical questions but thought i'd give it give it out just to you know add to what you said there about the fact that it's been delayed i think in the year before june 2020 austria only suffered one competitive defeat and that was i think in a game that was i guess what we call a dead rubber against latvia um probably not saying definitely but probably a contender for the worst football match of all time um it was truly atrocious 90 minutes that I will never get back. Um, but yeah, so there have been glimpses of, you know, um, the pessimism that has really started to set in over the last year. In terms of how far they can go, I think given the mood in the camp at the moment and the situation surrounding the coach, getting through the group would, be, would have to be regarded as a success, especially given their, their failure to do so uh, four, five years ago. Um, it all really, I think, depends on the I think the Ukraine clash for some reason has has, since the draw has been made has stuck in my mind as one that would be pivotal in really determining how far they go Um, of course Macedonia now as well because they've you know they really seem to be coming into their own Um, but yeah it's going to be it's going to be interesting Uh, I would love to be proven wrong by a lot of the things that I've said in this podcast but I think that is, I think I've genu- genuinely reflected the mood of me and my uh, other Bundesliga co-hosts by saying that um, a lot of great players, a lot of potential, but that coach. That's the one that is going to just stick in my mind, uh, that coach. When I, when, when, when I see Austria take the pitch, it's, I'm not going to be looking at the players. I'm just going to be looking at the bench thinking, you're the cause of all of this. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm going to go rogue now and just something that I'd, I'd like to find out myself. I mean, if you, you, you as you said there, you're not not a fan of the coach. I think that's quite quite clear. Who would you who, who would you like any names that sort of crop up that you think you know? It's a discussion we have quite regularly. Who would you like to see replace him? I mean, it's a tough one for an international manager. You never really know who's up for an international job. You're only working for a, about you know, yeah. a small, small proportion of the year. And I think a lot of bigger names would prefer a club role. Um, he was the Sturm Graz manager here in Austria for a few years. And that's how we kind of got the job. Looking at, at other managers domestically who might be willing to take on that role. I mean, Dietmar Kubauer has done quite a good job with Rapid Vienna. Um, but I, it has taken him a really long time to implement his style. He's been given two years, and, and finally they seem to be getting the most out of that squad. Um, Peter Stöger will probably be leaving Austria-Vienna, and he was mentioned as one of the possible replacements in an article I, I think I mentioned earlier where mm-hmm. uh, it was with the, the unnamed uh, Austrian Football Federation official talking about potentially um, axing Foda before the tournament. He was one of the alternatives mentioned. But really, at the moment, I don't really, I don't really see too many standout candidates. There are a lot of good young managers doing a decent job in Austria as well. Christian Ilzer at uh, Sturm Graz. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe they've already appointed one Sturm Graz manager too many. Um, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just not <laughs> sure. It's, it's, a, it's a difficult one to answer. Ah, fair dues, fair dues. But well, I mean... We'll wish you the best of luck for the Holland and North Macedonia game, Salih. Uh, not so much in the Ukraine game. We need us all the luck as well. So I hope you forgive us there. Well, uh, in all seriousness, Dave, thank you so much for joining us uh, this evening. We really appreciate, 
appreciate you taking the time out to, to come and join us. Very happy to. It's always uh, always nice to to get in the mood for these these big international tournaments as well, especially when in in my case I don't really know too much about the uh, Ukrainian national team. So to to meet you guys and have this chat has been nice. Thanks for having me on. Ah, thank you. Uh, before we go though, of course, uh, I mean the podcasts, the other Bundesliga and the Sweeper. How often are you releasing those? Um, uh, the Sweeper is monthly at the moment. Mm. Um, that may change at some point in the future, but uh, it takes quite a lot of um, planning and preparation um, f- for those to to get to get the interviews, big names uh, like like Andrew. Um, it takes time to to organise and ev- uh, and do all of that. So that's 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 once a month. Um, and then uh, the the other Bundesliga is is kind of pretty much ad hoc at the moment. When something big big happens, then we'll do one. We're going to do a few episodes. Um, during the Euros, I'm sure, but that's not really on a regular cycle at the moment. Oh, fair dues, fair dues. And of course, people on Twitter, as you mentioned earlier, you're across all the social medias, apart from TikTok. Yeah, no TikTok, but on all the others, we're at Other Bundesliga, so you can uh, you can find us there. Fantastic, uh, Andrew Ray. Really appreciate you joining us as always, guys. Andrew. Uh, for new listeners, what are your social media media handles? Zoria Londonsk on um, Instagram and Twitter. And Ray? Oblong Casual on Instagram. And of course, I'm Adam at Equifot24. Till next time, everyone, bring on the Euros. Take care and stay safe for now. Bye-bye.